Hello and welcome to Let the Record Show, a Civia Law podcast. I'm Kelly Mize, attorney at Civia Law, where we help you through life's transitions. So today I'm going to give some answers to common questions about Medicaid for long-term care. But first, just a reminder, if you have any questions about this topic or anything regarding estate planning, probate, and more, you can visit our website, www.civialaw.com for our blog and more resources to help you. So before I begin, this episode doesn't even scratch the surface of Medicaid. So if you have questions after I'm done, please, please come talk to us. So the first question that I get all the time is how are Medicaid and Medicare different? And they sound the same, but they're very different. So according to HHS.gov, Medicare is an insurance program. Medical bills are paid from trust funds, which those covered have paid into. It serves people over 65, primarily, whatever their income, and serves younger disabled people and dialysis patients. Patients pay part of costs through deductibles for hospitals and other costs. Small monthly premiums are required for non-hospital coverage. And Medicare is a federal program. It is basically the same everywhere in the United States and is run by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, an agency of the federal government. Medicaid, on the other hand, is an assistance program. It serves low-income people of every age, and patients usually pay no part of costs for covered medical expenses. A small copayment is sometimes required, Medicaid is a federal state program. It varies from state to state and is run by state and local governments within federal guidelines. So to distill all that down, Medicare is what I call old people insurance and Medicaid is a government assistance program. Another question that clients come to me with is what are the requirements to qualify for Medicaid coverage in a long-term care facility? And there are several, but since I'm licensed in Illinois, I'm going to be talking about Illinois Medicaid requirements. So first, there's an income limit. It's based on your household size, and there's a table on benefits.gov that gives you those guidelines. But for example, a household with two people, so let's say husband and wife, their income as of today cannot exceed $25,268 per year, and that is before taxes. And then secondly, there is an asset limit. So this is a big one, and I wanna just highlight this. For a married couple, they can have assets up to $105,000. But for a single person, that limit drops down to $2,000. Let me say that again. For a married couple, the asset limit is $105,000. For a single person, it is $2,000. So there is a huge, huge difference there. So that's why pre-planning is so important, and I cannot stress it enough. You have to be aware of these limits and plan around them because it's a huge difference between applying for Medicaid as a married person or applying as a single person. So it's really important to be aware of those limits. So you're probably asking, well, what if my income is too high? Which assets can I keep to still qualify for Medicaid? So honestly, income is not usually an issue for most people that I see. Most clients I see are living off of social security or a pension, and they aren't too concerned about their income. 
what most people do worry about is the asset limit. So a lot of people can be land rich, but cash poor, or have a lot of assets, but not a lot of money in their bank account. So exempt assets under Medicaid, which means what does not count as an asset, is a house, a car, and a funeral trust. So you're probably thinking, well, I have all this money in my savings account. I'll just give my kids $25,000 and then I'll be able to qualify for Medicaid. Don't do that. Okay, listen to me. Don't do that. I say that because let's just say we have a client. We'll call her Mary who is needing to go into a nursing home and she has $25,000 in her savings account and she gives all that money to her daughter. Aside from the tax implications for her daughter receiving that gift, Mary has also disqualified herself for Medicaid coverage. And you're probably asking, well, why is that? So when you apply for Medicaid, you have to provide five years worth of financial records. So every statement from the bank, every life insurance statement, every financial advisor, tax guy, whatever document you got from these people, you have to provide that. And Medicaid will go through each and every transaction that you made in the last five years and flag every transaction over, usually it's $1,000. So let's go back to Mary and her gift of $25,000 to her daughter. Medicaid will look at that transfer as a gift, which it was. Mary wasn't buying anything. Now, if she had gone out and brought a brand new Chevy Escalade, that would be a different story, but it's not. So what Medicaid does is look at that gift and say, you had $25,000 that you just gave away. So we will not pay for your care until you have privately paid yourself for $25,000 worth of care. So for every gift you make within that five-year look-back period, Medicaid's going to deduct what they will pay for. So no gifting. And I'm going to say it one more time for the people in the back, no gifting. Now, there are some things that you can do to prepare for applying, and one is to set up a Medicaid Asset Protection Trust. This is an irrevocable trust that essentially makes assets go away after five years. So this is a big and confusing concept, and I invite you to come in and talk with me if you're confused, but it's really a legal way of hiding assets and money and giving them to the trust to be managed by a trustee. The biggest part about this, if you're thinking of doing it, is that you have to be able to make it five years without going into a nursing home before those assets technically disappear in the eyes of Medicaid. So it's 2022 right now. If you're listening to this in 2023, I certainly hope that things have gotten better. But if you set it up today in 2022, when I'm recording this, it's July 6, 2022, you would need to wait until July 6, 2027 before these assets are off of Medicaid's radar. So that was really confusing, right? <laughs> well, another thing that you can do to lower your assets, remember what I said earlier about a funeral trust being exempt? What you can do is take your life insurance policy and entrust that to your funeral trust. So your funeral will be paid out of your life insurance. And again, this is exempt from Medicaid. So your funeral is paid for and you've been lowering your assets to apply. Most funeral homes do this all the time. They know how to set one up. And if you need recommendations, we're here to give those. So I know that was really confusing and I'm gonna give you homework. 
if you are anticipating either you or your spouse going into a nursing home, your homework is to start collecting your financial statements. Start looking at your income and assets to figure out where you stand when it comes to Medicaid requirements. And as always, come see us if you have questions. That's why we're here. And for some awesome listeners of this episode, we have a special discount for the first five listeners to mention Let the Record Show by giving them 10% off of any of our elder law services. And that's it. Remember, if you have any questions about this topic, which I bet you do, or anything else regarding estate planning, probate, or more, you can visit our website, www.civialaw.com, for our blog and more resources. I'm Kelly Mize, attorney at Civil Law, where we help you through life's transitions. The information you obtain in this podcast or on our site is not, nor is it intended to be, legal advice. You should consult an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established.